Hey everyone, this is Andy Polk. And this is Ben Shaw. And this is Bathwater and the Baby Jesus. Uh, today we're going to be talking about violence, uh, our understanding of it in Scripture and the world and what we do with it in light of Jesus. All right, here we are. Uh, in real time, in, it's been two weeks for you. In uh, real time for Andy and I, it's been about four months since sure. we recorded the the first batch of episodes. So we are back. Uh, we're glad to be back. But we did want to recognize that our release schedule has been a bit off schedule for the last couple of weeks. Right. And uh, there's been some illness involved with that on my part. Andy is as healthy as an ox. Let's go with that. Sure. <laughs> And uh, and also, um, just proximity in the country to where we are. We we live in Tennessee, and uh, there's been quite a bit of turmoil over the last, um, well, in the last month that has affected our recording schedule. And yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah, for both both personal and and professional reasons uh, through it all. Uh, yeah, it's been it's it's been a time. I don't know if you've paid attention to the state of Tennessee, but we're. We're not doing great. Uh, this has been somewhat of a, a running joke slash uh, morning period, uh, I think, for some. Uh, and it's been hard, particularly with the, the covenant shooting, uh, certainly everything with the Tennessee legislature. But uh, the big one was the covenant shooting when when uh, when people, especially children, lose their lives. Uh, and, and I'll admit, we this, this has been a really difficult period for me. Uh, not with, you know, I didn't have any family. I didn't lose anyone. It's not that period and don't want to make it in that way. Uh, but but like perhaps many of you, the reactions of uh, a lot of Christians, a lot of uh, institutional church folk has been um, really, really, really troubling to me uh, in ways that have uh, even further challenged my relationship with the institutional church, my my understanding of it, uh, but but that's that's part of what we're doing at Bathwater and the Baby Jesus, right? I'm not yeah. giving up Jesus, uh, but it seems there there are more turds in the bathwater in a lot of ways than I anticipated. So so that's yeah. today why, uh, in some sense, we're going to talk about Christianity and violence. Um, but not just because it's topical, but because uh, it it appears uh, increasingly that uh, this subject is a much needed subject that tends to go away from uh, our understanding of, of the gospel and Jesus message. Yeah. Right. You know, and we debated releasing a short episode or a short statement right after because we had scheduled to, to record the day after. Um, or the couple of days later after the covenant shooting happened. And uh, I had all these great ideas about putting together a prayer or, or something. And then I got down, I sat down to write it and I was just like, I, I, I can't, I can't do it either. And Andy was like, I definitely, I definitely can't. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we, we do want to acknowledge that um, it's been, it's been hard. And for me, it hit in a different way which is terrible just when you think about the fact that it's easier to compartmentalize like a shooting that happens at a bank yeah. or a, even at a high school. But my children are the age of the children that were in involved in that shooting. Uh, like I have a child the exact age yeah. of 
of all three of the children that that were um, killed. And so it hits a different way. And to see the response um, from some, and I I will say some, because there's certainly some clergy that stepped up and were, um, were, were very vocal about the need for change in the way that we regulate firearms. Um, we're going to try not to get political in all of this, um, but I think our stance is probably going to shine through in some of our statements. So we do want to acknowledge that, and, and we certainly, uh, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I mean, I grew up hunting. I grew up around guns, and I certainly don't have any issues with people owning guns. Um, but I do think that there are some serious problems with the with the type of weapons that are available to be purchased and the way that people go about getting them. Yeah. And, and I and I'll just say that and, and we'll move on as far as anything I have to say about that. But I do think that um, looking at violence in Christianity in the history of Christianity, going all the way back to the Old Testament, even um, will kind of. Um, I guess support those <laughs> those yeah. ideas a little bit um, in in just the way that we we look at it. Does that yeah, make sense? Yeah, and it's I mean this is a difficult thing that that we'll talk about. We'll not skirt around, right? It, it touches a bunch of subjects, and and probably in some sense maybe even for the next few weeks. Um, this idea that well religion well that's not that's not religion that's politics uh, is completely made up. One, they're second order categories that have very little understanding in our our pre modern time in pre modern times. Uh, but also, if if we're people of faith and our ethic and our worldview is described by Jesus, then the idea that that doesn't touch on politics is absurd. Uh, I mean, if if there is heresy. That comes closer to the most of the doctrinal issues that I think a whole lot of people have. Uh, so we're not gonna we're not worried about necessarily who you're going to vote for and how that stuff moves, but there are things that are going to touch politics, and we will explain why we believe that way based on on our ethics, our understanding of the gospel, and people could disagree. But this is one of the things, right? So people, now I'm, I'm a, a professional historian, right? I teach U.S. religion and politics, and one of the things I, I tell my students, especially my in my uh, survey courses, right? Those students, by the way, who of course are taking U.S. history because the state of Tennessee forces them, and they would never be in there otherwise. Right. I don't know if you ever had that experience. That's that's hard. I, uh, did. I tell them I, I attended the university. That yes, you teach at, it's it's so. beautiful times. But uh, I took Tennessee history. Oh yeah, that's okay. So. You just want to know more about the great state. I was of just avoiding you. One of the I wasn't I wasn't there then was I was I when you're finishing up I might have uh, yeah that's fine. I don't know it was 2014 but it's, it, this is one of the issues of uh, of talking about politics in general even about religion right that you you have your opinion and you have your opinion I have my opinion we are each entitled to our own opinions but I do think uh, that as adults we are. We should be able to explain why we believe what we believe, and we should be able to understand how other people could believe something else. Sure. I think that is a low bar. Mm-hmm. I think it's a minimum. Uh, but because that's the bar, that's what we will try to do. Well, and, and just, just let's just call, call a spade a spade. Right now in our, in our political landscape, it's us and them. There is no middle ground. There's no debate. There's no recognizing... 
other people's viewpoint and attempting to apply your understanding to that, it doesn't exist. It's, it's, that's right. Especially at the top level of politics. Um, you know, and, and I mean, we see it filtered down all the way to local county commissions. So it, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, right. It's just the way things have become, which is unfortunate. And there's always, always been some level of division in politics. And I'm not pretending that that doesn't or didn't exist. However, to the extreme that it is now, um, it's it's a little alarming to me, the fact that we can't step back and have a healthy discussion, yeah. uh, a healthy debate, and then walk away knowing that you can still love and, and respect the person that you just had that debate with. That's right. Yeah. There's almost a fear in, uh, <laughs> in bringing things up. Um, because you're either a going to piss a bunch of people off and they're, they're just not going to listen anymore. And, and it could even, you know, ruin your relationships with your friends or yeah. your family. Yep. Um, so that, that's unfortunate, but we do want to name that and, and point out that that's not where we're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talking about, uh, Christian violence, where's, there's a few different aspects of this. Uh, and I would say, not surprising, it comes down to Jesus. Uh, I mean, it's almost as if it's in the name of our faith. <laughs> um, but I do think this is a situation that uh, it it is sometimes difficult because uh, often we're not actually talking about Jesus when we talk about these things. Um Part of that is pointing to right, the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament of, of what we see in those stories of, of the understanding of, of God and violence, of, of the people of God and violence, uh, but also, uh, quite frankly, the way that the history of the Christian tradition has played out. Uh, and it, it sure doesn't seem that there's the relationship between Christianity and violence doesn't seem to be uh, parallel to the relationship or the way that Jesus talked about violence. Uh, and that's not clear cut right. uh, in terms of how we live that out in a, in a messy and broken world. Uh, but it, it, we talk about it with, uh, as with many things in ways that don't seem messy and complicated. They just are uh, yeah. and seem to fly in the face of that. Uh, so so which, you, which one of those do you want to talk about first? I think it's good to kind of lay a groundwork on... Um, the history of you know violence going all the way back uh not not the movie history of violence starring Viggo <laughs> Mortensen which is a, a a very good movie yeah. uh it's pretty violent so you know but uh, just, it's kind of in the name it's applied <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's a good movie uh no sorry this that's that uh shiny object over there that that just drives my wife crazy. <laughs> so, um, no, laying a groundwork on the history of violence in Christianity, I think is probably a good starting point. Yeah. And what, what better place to start than uh, the Old Testament? Oh, man. So easy. You know, it's, uh, it, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah. This is... Um... It, it touches a, a lot of different, I think, issues that that people have had. If you read, if you read the Hebrew scriptures, uh, they are incredibly violent, sure. incredibly violent. Um, certainly, in terms of right, the the conquest of Canaan, uh, dash the babies' heads against the rocks of, yeah. uh, right. and it's not just like go and destroy this tribe. It's 
explicit on annihilate yes the way uh-huh. that you, yeah and you, leave how you nothing do. that's right n- leave nothing breathing yeah. left I- including cases when israel i'm um, one particular where israel gets in trouble because they spared people as in the and, and really they spared the animals they took the animals yeah. god said slaughter everything including the animals they took the animals they let some people live they took them as slaves and god said you didn't do what i did what i told you to do and they're upset um, they're incredibly, incredibly difficult passages and understandings mm-hmm. of the God that we see um, is related to Jesus and then what is presented in the past. Yeah. So what how how do you how do you reconcile those things? How do you how do you deal with them? Well, I deal with them in the same way that uh, I deal with most issues <laughs> that I have with the Bible, yeah. and and that is that it was written by people in a place to a certain group of people in that place, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think that uh, for instance, looking at the the, the stories of like the Canaan the Canaanite conquest mm-hmm. and all of that, and then even going further back like Sodom and Gomorrah, and oh sure, uh, you know, dealing with even further back Noah. Right. I mean, and it's oh. the it's the the rainbow story that we always think about. And we kind of gloss over the fact that uh, that story tells that the, that God annihilated everything uh-huh. except for the two of each and the birds in the air yeah. because they could fly. Um, it really is weird that that's a felt board story. Like, it is. It is. It is struck. Even when One I was of the most little, violent it was like, wow, we're just doing a coloring book over the annihilation of humanity. Yeah. Well, and the when you're five, you just and... think about the animals, you know. But, but yeah. the, well, and that's yeah, now, that's and I'll say this yeah. growing up evangelical mm-hmm. and growing up that that idea of the, I don't want to call it sleight of hand because it was, it wasn't, um, I don't think. <laughs> No, I, I think it's intentional for a lot of adults when they were doing it. They didn't think about it either because they no. were taught in the exact same way. Correct. Yep. And I, and so I, I don't want to use the word sleight of hand because yeah. that implies some mm. trickery was involved. I think uh, it was just bad, um, well, bad theology, in my yeah. opinion, and bad bad um, eschatology, mm-hmm. right? It's just, it's not, it wasn't taught well to begin with. It wasn't interpreted well to begin yeah. with. And so then that just trickles down through the ages. So anyway, um the, the the violence in the Bible, especially uh, that that time, uh, Noah, and, and then you start getting into like Joshua and, and that Joshua is written as this big epic story of, uh, you know, conquests. You know, you think about like the Battle of Jericho and yeah. I, did you have the song? Like I, I, uh-huh. I, I Joshua Bob. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, that's walk around the wall seven the times, blow uh-huh. the trumpets. That's what we're, that's what we're taught, and we don't talk about the fact that they destroyed an entire city, and and stepping back and recognizing the humanity of the people that were conquested and annihilated in the name of God, you then have to step back and realize that why why did they choose to write down these stories in this way? Mm-hmm. Because as we've stated before. Uh, on authority and in the bible you know you give it the authority when you read it and you have to and i i don't see the bible as inerrant so that therefore i want to step back and and ask the question why did the editors and the writers who who compiled these stories Mm -hmm. that have been told for ages 
whenever they were in Babylon. Why, why did they do that? Why did they tell these stories in this way? And I think, and this is, this is my uneducated opinion. Um, I haven't taken my ancient, old, <laughs> I haven't taken my Old Testament classes uh-huh. yet. Um, which, uh, aside personal update, I don't know if this has been talked about on the podcast, but I, I am starting a seminary in the fall. I'll be going, uh, taking some classes yeah. and working towards my master's in divinity. So that's fun and exciting. So uh, maybe in three years, I, I'll speak with a little bit more yeah. <laughs> authority. That's a process this. too. It's, it's, it can be challenging, but, yeah. um, but my uneducated opinion is, uh, that they were trying to either justify and and I, and you can speak more to this mm-hmm. and I, and I'm going to throw it to you but I I think that it feels like they were trying to justify the violence that they committed against these other tribes whenever they were nomadic and they were they were conquering lands by saying that God told them to do it right and so when in reality so did everybody else they they all did the same thing. So they all conquered. Everybody was conquering everybody else. And um, I heard it said, I read in a book that one of the things that I had never really thought about was why courtesy was so important. Like if strangers oh, yeah. uh-huh. were traveling through, you were courteous to them because you didn't want to risk um, ticking off yeah. another tribal leader or another king because you were discourteous to his nephew that was traveling through your town. And then all of a sudden your whole tribe is annihilated. Um, but I, it, it feels like there was, uh, a, a just one part justification and one part inspiration, um, trying to tell these epic stories about their, their heroes, right? Abraham was their hero. Yeah. Joshua was their hero. And so why would you tell this story that paints them in a negative light? You would paint them as the heroes of God who are following God's words and, and doing what they said in God's name. When in reality, it was probably more of a survival thing than anything. Yeah. Um, I, so. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, th- I do think there's, there's a lot to that. Although this is the, um, this is the, the interesting aspect of the Hebrew scriptures in themselves. There is certainly a, a glorification, a, um, an exaltation of these, uh, these figures historical and contemporary, depending on which books you're talking about. Uh, but there also are multiple instances of, um, these are very clearly pretty flawed figures. Like if if the story was simply told just to make them sound good because we are okay and we did and they were great, uh, there's a whole bunch of those stories they should have left out. Yeah. The very fact that uh, not just these uh, these figures are are wrestling with things that they make mistakes, right? That they doubt and they aren't sure. Um, but also that they they explicitly are often, right, times when they're condemned by God, right? And they're not doing what they're supposed to do, that they mm-hmm. go and, and come through. So I don't, I, I think the dynamic becomes uh, more interesting, more difficult, and in some sense to me, more believable. Uh, the idea that, this is written by people in their time and place. And I believe there's some aspect of inspiration, right? I don't, sure. I don't deny that, that these are, there, there are true aspects of the understanding of God that we can learn through them. Uh, Absolutely. But we I have to do that translation. Right? No, no, no. But, I don't think you were implying, okay. right? That, um, 
But that becomes the difficult aspect. How is it that you understand these in a way that can make sense? And part of it is um, the fact that in the same, these are not isolated stories in the way that we receive them as, as canon, right? They're collections. We take them together and there are a whole bunch of aspects, right? If you read the prophets, there are a whole bunch of times where they explicitly say, you murderous bleepity bleeps, you come before God and say that you want righteousness and you want to worship mm-hmm. and you trample the poor and you oppress, uh, right? Anyone who the stranger who comes in, you murder and you slaughter and you, and so there is a dynamic of this within scripture that, that to be clear, doesn't, doesn't answer the dilemmas of it when you, sure. when you read some of these stories, but the fact that in the same collections, People in the soft in those same times and places, or people who come afterwards say the same thing of like, what was this? That's not what God is really doing. That's not who we are. To me, that is um that's comforting in some sense. I'm yeah. not the only one who hears this, and it's not me somehow outside. I don't have enough true faith to just accept this. No, no, no. The, this was this was a struggle for people yeah. throughout this history that we have. Yeah. So let me ask you this then: How do you um, how do you approach? Let's just say like the the books of law, okay? Yeah. And there are many instances of quote unquote crimes or offenses that are punishable by death. Some of them, you know, make sense in a in the tit for tat. You know, yeah. thought uh-huh. like you kill yeah. someone. That's if it's eye for eye, yeah, yeah, right. Which is you which know. is a limitation of violence, by the way. Eye yes. for eye and tooth of tooth is when yeah. he did this. You don't go beyond. You don't go beyond what was done for you. That was actually yeah. a pretty revolutionary limitation of violence in the day. But okay, it, say more on that. Sorry. Oh uh, well, we this right. We we we'll get to Jesus soon because Jesus changes a lot of this. But there is, right, when we think of the idea of an eye for an eye or tooth for tooth, we think of that as, well, they did it to you, so you do it to them. That, in some sense, that's true. That's literally what it says. Right. But uh, the way that it was interpreted and understood, is, as far as we can tell, and including the midrash of, of uh, Jewish uh, traditions who, who debated this, um, is that that's a limitation of violence. Right. Even in the way that we do things, we tend to escalate, continuous escalation. Right. right? You say this to me, I'm upset. Oh, yeah. Well, you do this. And we go a little more and a little more and a little more. Eye for eye and tooth and tooth for tooth is is a cap on what Uh, people can do in retaliation. Um, If an eye is gouged, you can gouge an eye, but you don't cut off a head. Uh, a tooth is knocked out. You yeah. can punch them in the face and you knock a tooth out. But what you don't do is take their family and round them outside. Um, now, the story is very clear. Yeah. Israel didn't always do that. Right. Same thing as year of Jubilee. Same thing as the, the ethics of, uh, of strangers and immigrants, of sure. money, of all this stuff. They were very imperfect people. But yeah. the tradition continuously says there is some aspect of this. Huh. I That makes a lot of sense, yeah. but I had not ever really thought to it. You know. It's a colloquial yeah, that's phrase right. we that say you it. say, yeah, yeah. and then you, yeah. you, huh? Well, there you go. Lesson <laughs> one learned for the day. Um, but let me let me pose. Uh, let me finish yeah, the sorry, question. It's okay. Um, the idea of crimes punishable by death in the mm-hmm. books of law. Okay, so you've got the big ones, right? But yep. then also like a belligerent child. Yep. 
can be put to death mm-hmm. if they're talking back. Mm-hmm. And we look at that now and we're like, what? No, absolutely. We'll just skip that one. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. there was two two or three different ones that had to do with children and misbehaving. Yep. Uh, one of them, if your daughter became a prostitute, you're supposed to burn her at the stake mm-hmm. or set her on fire. So how how do we transition away from that understanding of God's wrath and his desire for us um, to what's... I guess regulate his laws and and enforce his laws. Well, I think uh, part of it is again admitting. Uh, and I don't think it's understanding. I do think it's admitting that people in their time and place writing to people in their time and place, uh, and that. Uh, uh, so you mean uh, the writer that wrote that law might have had a belligerent child? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think to that extent. I think the the context of the ancient Near East and in a tribal society, when right, the, the, in some of the context that you've mentioned. But I think the the way that I understand it, the way that we perceive of it, is we interpret all of that through an understanding of Jesus. Not, I don't mean this in terms of you look back and the prophecy says, and this stuff, we do this symbolism and all this sure. stuff. I mean, in terms of if if all of these are expressions of people in their time and place, describing the way they understand God, the way that God moves in the world, the way that mm-hmm. we understand us and our relationship to God, the preeminent authority of that is Jesus. Um, and so if there, sometimes it may be a uh, an understanding of the the gospel writers again we we don't even get unfiltered jesus we have to admit that too we have four of them and they don't necessarily all agree right again that we we have a whole episode on this if you if you want to listen to that if you haven't already but there is an aspect of this that if jesus is preeminent sometimes jesus uh we would it, it appears talks over or changes some of those perspective but there's a clear understanding through that that Jesus at least claims, and I'm not changing any of this. You have misunderstood the relationship. Right. And so, um, I mean, clear, I'm not, yeah. not going to kill my kid. I'm not going to beat my kid. I'm like, it's horrendous, right? The, right. I mean, the, getting this a later one, but the way that women are treated clearly as property, there's, there's very little co-equality in the Hebrew scriptures with right. this, uh, I think is abominable. Yeah. Um, well, I, and, and Jesus certainly pivots away from that. Cl- clearly, I would say, but as we'll even get with this with violence, yeah. we have a tendency to pick and choose when and where we listen to those things yeah. when we acknowledge them. Right. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with the way that we want to understand and perceive in the world. I don't think that makes us evil. I think it makes us, I think it makes us human. Um, yeah. We bring something to scripture. We bring something to faith. Uh, and this idea that, well, no, we're just being biblical. I, one of those, one of the most annoying terms, uh, in religion to me, just being biblical, biblical worldview, biblical. It's, it's not a static thing that just is as if, well, I'm just doing what the Bible says. I, right. I, I, I can be a jerk sometimes. Those are usually when I get to, let, let me ask you two questions till you get to, I don't know. Yeah. What's in the Bible? Where is it? What is it? What about this beforehand? I, I, I don't know. Well, then what are you talking about when you say biblical? Right. I think one of my favorite quotes that I, I saw somebody, I think it was tweeted out. I, I don't know. Uh, it was talking about when someone responds to you with that, it's in the Bible. It's, it's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. And it's like, but when Jesus was 12, he spent days uh-huh. debating 
the Bible yeah. with the current religious leaders uh-huh. in the temple. So yeah. it's in the Bible that it is Jesus yeah. debated the Bible. So therefore, saying that it's not up for debate is just a non-starter. It's, yeah, it's not a great way to approach. Which again, we've said I don't want to rail on that, but you have to yeah. approach these scriptures and these writings understanding the context in which they were written in and filtering them all through the lens of Jesus and through the ministry that he that he lived and and then that's a good starting point yeah and so yeah but he, so so here this comes right in a transition uh, I would like to pretend that we planned it this way we we didn't plan any of it um Right. This becomes in the transition. So if we understand the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, the other problem when we understand Christianity and violence is, well, then Christianity comes after Jesus. Right. And if you look at the history of Christianity, a whole bunch of it looks far more like Mm pre-Jesus than Jesus. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, So the uh, uh, famous and somewhat apocryphal, the, the... the phrasing is a little different, but uh, a somewhat famous uh, quote from Gandhi is the only people in the world who don't see Jesus and his teachings as nonviolent are Christians. Um, which comes back to it's just biblical. It's in there, right? Yeah. Jesus, you 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 love your enemies, yeah. is right. The the not just expanding neighbor yeah. who is my neighbor, but right. you you love them, you bless them, yeah. you do good to them. Um, the literally the way that Jesus was tried and murdered and killed, the way that that is expressed. Right. People would say, well, yeah, but he turned the tables over when he drove out the money changers. It is the one of the most just absurd arguments. Okay. Um, that this becomes state-sponsored violence and my personal violence and me having a, a continuous fantasies about proving my manhood or something by getting in a fight and punching you in the face and therefore <laughs> it proves I'm powerful. None of that has anything to do with the thing you're talking about of driving out uh, right. the moneylenders. Um, it's also the fact that our our understanding of Christian history is that Christians that were with Jesus and the next generation and the next and the next and the next and the next all it seems universally thought Jesus said we're nonviolent. Mm-hmm. Um, it it he starts, also said to share everything. And, that's right. Uh, that's right. You know, I mean, he. <laughs> there are a lot of things that Jesus said to do that kind of became inconvenient. And, that's right. And we're yeah, we run by the wayside, and we yeah. have. And part of that becomes. So I'm going to say this is legitimate thing. Um, I believe that's true. I believe that the the ethic of Jesus is an ethic of nonviolence. It's really hard to do a bunch of loops around that. Uh, And I would say it in in my conversations with people, it seems, I think this is true, maybe in Christianity as a whole, as diverse as it is, but certainly in the traditions we were raised in and kind of American Protestant evangelicalism. um, It seems that people really want to follow David and maybe parts of Paul more than Jesus. Jesus, you listen to because he saved you from mm-hmm. your sins uh, and you get to go to heaven afterwards, right? Um, so in terms of the ethic of how we live in the world, there, especially when it comes to violence, it's David. Yeah. Um, Jesus stuff doesn't play because yeah. that's unrealistic. Well, David was the alpha male. That's he, right. You know, and he goes through. I mean, this he is, did dance naked and sing, but but, you know, that's... That's a whole other thing, and we're not going to talk about that. He's yeah. imperfect, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, this is, and, and right, we we don't have to get into all of it. But there's uh, a, a book that came out a few years ago, Kristen Dume of Jesus and John Wayne, 
Uh, excellent and, book. And, excellent book. Yeah, right. So it, Kristen is not going to give us anything if you buy the book, but um, no. it really is. It, it's it's excellent. Uh, and we'll especially coming from the background that we come from. Yes. Uh, in growing up evangelical in the nineties and early two thousands. Yeah. There's right. So how is it that we get to this, uh, culture and understanding and some sense of faith that seems so content on, on violence and this kind of, uh, alpha male. I mean, it's still very patriarchal, right? A real man somehow is defined by violence, right? If you can, if you can dominate, um, physically, mentally, emotionally in the boardroom or whatever nonsense that that becomes the, <laughs> the sign of manhood. Um, her argument, and and to be blunt, it comes from an understanding of how on earth that that especially white evangelicals in America uh, supported Donald Trump more than any president in history. When everything that Donald Trump says and does seems to run counter to the values that that evangelical Protestants have generally said, this is what we believe, and this is what character is, and this is how it is. Yep. Her response was, well, it goes against the values that are stated. But if you actually look at the development in the history, the core values, mm -hmm. he is the personification of it. Right. He's John was, Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne that's was. That's right. Yeah. And that's what we want, a rugged individualist who doesn't care and says what he wants and does what he wants. And even yeah. though, you know, uh, sexual violence, apparently yeah. it's okay because you never know when you have and you have, right? right? So all of this comes together. That aspect, I will say just explicitly, I think is, um, I, I'm going to say nonsense. It's not nonsense. It's It's heretical. Uh, I think is absolutely holistically against the the understanding of Jesus and aspect of the gospel, the way that we are supposed to view yeah. uh, human beings as as co-equal, mm -hmm. um, as loved by God, just as much as we are loved, as creating the image of God. We don't it 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 denies that as much as anything else. So that this patriarchal masculine violence is the answer, and that's all that matters. Stuff, um, and we may have an episode on power at some point, but this is. That aspect is against the side. Yeah. I think there's another part of it that becomes, we live in a broken, messy world. And it's it's not incredibly clear always what the right thing to do is. Yeah. If we admit that it's, that it's messy and it's unclear, right? If there's a difference of me and my understanding of nonviolence, uh, right? If after we record this, you get really mad at me and, and you start shoving me, I can do nonviolence. I'm not going to punch you in the face. I'm not going to go, you hit me. I can turn the other cheek. That's different. Uh, just if, just if, an aside. Um, if you saw Andy and then you saw myself, you would know that scenario. Uh, you're would, quick. You're would quick. Would never happen. You've got fast hands. Never. <laughs> I got long arms. That's about all I got going for um, There's a difference between me doing that with myself and me doing that with my kids. Yeah. Uh, and I have no problem with that. Yeah. I, I really don't. Now, it's not that I don't think that that is itself possibly problematic. I, I would absolutely uh, violently defend my children. Sure. Um, well, uh, part of that is instinct. Uh, yeah. But uh, I would say, I mean, you know me well, it's also specific choice that's yeah. well thought, right? Sure. There's some aspect of that that well, is Well, and let me, let me back up. When yeah. I say instinct, I mean cultural instinct. Sure. I mean, yeah. you know, a product of the culture that we're raised yeah. in, and that is to... <laughs> Which uh, might seem uh, oxymoronic when I say this. It's to protect our children, you know, either our children or even, uh -huh. the, you know, it, it, I found myself as a parent being more aware of, of any children. And like, if I see a child yep. walking alone by himself mm -hmm. in, the, in the store, I'm like, 
Where is that okay with that kid? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's right. Let's uh-huh. make sure he's he's safe. Yeah. And and so it uh, the oxymoronic part <laughs> is that if we care so much about our children and and it is culturally ingrained to care for our children, then why why is it that some of our um, how do I say this without coming across um, crass? How how is it that some of our legislature and the the decision makers uh, allow their own interests interests to yeah. uh, elevate above that cultural idea, and somehow or another, they convince people that that's the right thing to to do. Yeah, I mean, I that, they that might... would argue that those are not contradictory. They sure seem, by common sense and and thought and logic, to be contradictory. I would say, um, as in we're protecting our children and we're doing this, but also the sacrosanct aspect, right? That particularly is guns. The sacrosanct aspect of the second amendment overrules everything, which itself again is incredibly problematic and possibly heretical for Christians that some aspect and an understanding, one understanding of uh, an amendment, an American amendment overcomes by ethical understanding of Jesus. That in itself is, I'd say possibly heretical, but that's a different conversation. Well, that's elevating. I mean, that's, that's, realistically i mean let's just name it for what it is that's the same as uh being you know in first century um jerusalem and and in that time frame caesar was god as far as that context like they were supposed to recognize caesar as god and so if they did not then they were they were going against that so we have made a god of (laughs) this amendment and and that has been elevated above um, yeah, Jesus. That, yes. that analogy is breaking down really quickly, and I'm recognizing that. But that's okay. Well, <laughs> so I, would say, I, I think that's a, a helpful. It's a helpful segue, though. So there's. So I would. I, I'm. I'm trying to delineate between some aspect that I think are are just quite honestly, just antithetical to the ethic of Jesus, as I understand it. Right. Which again, like, well, what? How do you understand it? Whole episode on that too. Let's yeah. let's quickly just just kind of recap. Um, you tell me what we, we keep talking about the ethic of Jesus. Yeah. What in three sentences or less, which is going to be a challenge for you. Uh, what in three sentences or less is Jesus ethic as it relates to violence? We're all bastards and God loves us anyway. Well, look at you. That's you not did me. It. No, it's not me. That's from, that's sentences. from a guy named Will Campbell. Uh, so I, it is that every, every human being is equal before God. That I think that is the heart of of the gospel. And so, in that equality, none are deserving of violence. That is right. So there, there is the sacred worth of all humanity. Right. That yeah. um, that because people are loved by God in that way, because God wins in the end, even if they were to kill you. Right. I mean, this is the take up your cross and follow me. Like Jesus made it very clear what happens if you follow Jesus. That we don't. And I hear those preached a whole lot. Yeah. Or if I do, it's somehow, you know, we're in the Bible, we go to the South, and it's really hard to be a Christian, even though 85% of the people are Christians and everyone I know and my boss yeah. and everyone's, you know, all, which is just nonsense. But um, well, we, we that, like to, that, yeah, to somehow persecution. Yeah. yeah. Starbucks changes their mug and we're persecuted. Um, <laughs> that, that there is an aspect of this, which is, because of that, because we you follow Jesus all the way into a cross, the cross is winning. Christ is victor, right? That that even if they kill you for this, because of the way the world really works, all you're all you're required is to be faithful, and that's a blessing, right? 
mean, this is the really hard stuff of, of Jesus. Sure. Um, I mean, really, like, I mean, personally, really hard. I'm not entirely sure how to reconcile all of that in the world in which I live. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's it's difficult in the context that we live in as uh, in one of the wealthy. In as Romans. The yeah. wealthiest nation right. in the world. In this, I think that context, this is the part that is, if we would admit that it's difficult and that we have to work our way through it, I'd be okay. I'm, I'm less okay with again, a romanticization uh, and maybe deification of violence, uh, mm -hmm. of guns, of of all of this together. So there was, again, so going back to the early history of Christianity, the early Christians generally agreed that uh, until about 170, really, that every, every writing is, we're nonviolent. That's the only way to say it. Like, you could not, you couldn't be a catechumen, a, a, a learning Christian, young Christian, uh, if you were serving in the military, or if you were uh, a Roman official who had the, uh, that part of your job description was to um, condemn people to death, uh, to violently punish, you just couldn't do it. They were, they were considered antithetical. Um, around 170, there's a group in a specific province, there was an invasion, some Christians there joined. The church fathers that we, that we have, at least that are extant, right, that are available, they said, that's wrong, you can't do it, Tertullian. Um, he changed his mind later on, um, that there's sometimes that it can be, but, but in, in defense, right. And then right. it's limited in all these ways. Uh, the real change is, um, in the, the fancy term is called the Constantinian shift, which I think is overplayed. Uh, but the very, very, I promise brief history of this. Is, That's around third, third century. Right? Uh, fourth century. Fourth. Yeah. Um, yeah. the 300. So when yeah. he comes up. Uh, this is where under Constantine's the Council of Nicaea, the Edict of Milan in 1313, which makes uh, Christianity tolerated in, in the Roman Empire for the first time. Um, Christians before then were not universally persecuted. Uh, Diocletian did, uh, Nero's maybe a little bit. Usually they were pockets in different places and it came in and out. But Christians were incredibly suspect, partly because they were nonviolent and because they, did, they would not swear fealty to the state. So they couldn't be trusted. They right, weren't because good that would Romans. be acknowledging yep. that Caesar is God. That's exactly yeah. well. Well, in some sense, for some, yeah. I'm giving the great background. Part of it was you. You could be a Roman citizen and pledge allegiance to the Roman state without declaring Caesar as God necessarily. There's a bunch of sort of literature of this, but but it was the allegiance part was the problem for early Christianity. We can have we cannot swear allegiance to Rome or the emperor above Jesus. Jesus. It is a kingdom of God inaugurated on earth that exists right now. Yeah. And that is what we pledge our loyalty to. Again, I think this the the extent of that conversation may be a later one about um yeah, I, I already civic see. nationalism, <laughs> yeah, yeah. all of this stuff, yeah. right? But but part of that was the nonviolence of it. Um by the time you get into the third century, right? Two hundreds, um, there's more debate over this. Christians aren't sure what it looks like, where it goes, but they for the most part didn't have enough power for it to really matter. The Constantinian shift is when Constantine Right, quote unquote, converts to Christianity. Right, he had this right. vision, the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, and then he has a, a toleration for Christianity when he confirms the empire, when he brings it all under his rule in 324. Right, he calls the Council of Nicaea mostly because he he did not want Christians with all of their differences. Christians had massive differences at the beginning. What uh, it would tear apart the empire. He wanted them just to agree on something, and then he would enforce it because he just needed it all together. Right. But now, all of a sudden, in a legitimate way, and some from different traditions bemoan this. This is the end of real Christianity. Some people say it was great. He gave Christians power that they did not have before. 
And the question became, what do we do with it? How do we use it well? Even How do we use it faithfully? I'm not saying people just want to do their own thing. Right. How do we remain faithful when we have power and we're in charge and someone invades? Or we believe that people are better off under the Roman Empire, right? So the, you know, the, the quote-unquote barbarians on the frontier. If we take them over, you look at their city-states and you look at our empire and people are better off in our empire. So if long-term we're going to do better for people by Rome being in charge, we got to fight them to do it. So isn't that better? What, what do you do? Do you do a little lesser, right? This this became a big battle. Yeah. Um, the issue now, which I do think it couples with issues of, of state violence and civic nationalism and all this stuff, um, white Christian nationalism, but that's not the debate now. It's not a struggle. And I, I have a really hard time with this. I mean, there's no struggle. It is not an acceptance of a messy, broken world. It is a glorification of violence, mm-hmm. particularly among men, um, and but I, in a populace as a whole. And I, and I almost, I want to say, yes, there's a glorification of violence. I want to I wanna add or add a question. Do you think that it's a glorification of the tools of violence, which then create a, a internal justification for the violence that they commit? Or do you think that it is a glorification of violence hard stop? I, I think it's a I think the key, the the core aspect of it is the glorification of violence. Okay. Even if you take guns away, we're still going to be talking about violence all the time. A real man about standing up, about punch where we 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 have a glorification of violence as a whole. Yeah. Guns are a different thing, right? Because they they are an extension of that, but also within when you get into well, second amendment, but then yeah. we have to control and we have to and it bleeds in a lot with America's right. a Christian nation and if we can't have America, then it's gonna fall and they're gonna persecute us. And this is, goes back to the institutionalism we've talked about. If we believe right. that a thing itself an institution, in this case, a nation state, is itself sacred or sacrosanct, then virtually whatever that nation state does to remain existing is a good unto itself. Right. If the and thing it, is it, good, it what they do a to built create. in justification right. for whatever atrocities virtually you need to anything. commit that's to right. protect. And that, that was bad, but that's not what we do in this time. And this other stuff isn't bad because it needs to happen and have, right? It would, if people talked about it in a more in a grueling way, in a way of, I don't know what's right here. I, I think this, but I'm, I'm not sure. That, I think, is a faithful way that we try to walk in the world. Right. We, there's, when, when it is, if you, you don't, don't do that, that you're an idiot. It's yeah. not. No, it's not grueling. It is, this is what you must be. Yeah. And violence is the answer to that. Yeah, and, and you don't hear language uh, a lot about... Uh, if let's just say retaliatory. Okay, yeah, sure. Go back to the eye yep. for eye, tooth for tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, the language that you hear is if someone wrongs us as a nation state, that we should go in and wipe them off the map, right? You go in and teach them a lesson, subjugate them to our whatever it is. It, it, yeah, even we bring them democracy or something. Yeah, we got to give them a good way. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you, you don't hear the language of, well, let's go in and... Um, meet those people where they are and help them. How, yeah. You know, and and, and well, at what point do you decide that it, you know, this gets super complicated and I don't know exactly. It does. And that, I mean, this. I think that's fine. I think my, so the thing that I kept thinking when you were saying that is, well, it depends on the we. Yeah. Who the we who is. Who we, what we think of ourselves as. And again, right. this, this may be something we need to talk about later on. There is, 
it really seems that most evangelical Protestants, Americans, are American evangelical Protestants. Right. That, that what, is, what is sacred and sacrosanct has far more to do with America, American values, constitution, than anything related right. to Jesus. I think that is heretical. Yeah. And by the way, the, so Ben knows this. Me throwing around the word heretical is almost tongue in cheek. I, I despise the like, you don't hold this theological view that I don't quite understand or this doctrine that I've heard of but don't know and you're a heretic. I think this is all just nonsense. It has nothing to do with the ethic of Jesus in itself anyway. But there are some things when it is absolutely opposed and contradictory. Yeah. Well, when, way, it, when you uh, elevate something above. Uh, it's a new God. Know, yeah, yeah, it is. It's a new God. Yeah. Um, so, so let me ask you this. Yeah. Uh, this is the Ben Asks Andy Questions no, episode. Um, so how, how do you think that we should um, or can approach our station where we are right now in Tennessee? Yeah. Um, how, do we, how do we approach conversations with people um, and not let the anger and the frustration yeah. that we have with the decisions that are being made drive the productive conversation in uh, allowing us to share, or, or, or I'll say me, to share yeah. my thoughts on on this ethic of nonviolence. Yeah. How do how do you how do you do that? Uh, not well. <laughs> Uh, uh, because it's it's a yeah. visceral thing. It, it, is. It, it is. It it it's. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we we will be the first to admit. I was angry. I was very yep. angry the day that that shooting happened at Covenant. I was I was angry. I was sad. I was uh, trying to figure out how and why this continues to happen, and. I have not found a way to be able to productively have conversations with people who I know yeah. believe differently about the right to own guns and how guns are regulated. Yeah. And I know we're kind of shifting into a political question, but it's it's a question that I have, and I think that it probably other people oh, I think so. yeah. have this question. I think so. Part of it is... Um, so I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of a, a quote unquote Christian or, or church response of well, we, we stay out of politics or we don't talk about these things to me, a lot of that let's, becomes. Let's remove the institution. Yeah. yeah. So let's I, just say individuals as well, an individual Christian who believes these things, how do I approach? Uh, I think the core aspect of that, that is far easier to say than to live out, which to me yeah. honestly becomes, that's a pretty good indication of you're getting close to Jesus stuff. Yeah. If I can kind of understand this, but what the crap does it look like in life? Well, now we're probably on a good thing. The core aspect of it is what I can never do, what I'm not allowed to do is dehumanize you. Yeah. I can't make you an idiot. I can't make you a monster. I can't make you a, what you are, this other person I'm talking to mm-hmm. is a person loved by God as much as I am loved by God, exactly as much. Yeah. And I try and have to hold on to that core. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I say, I disagree with you. 
But it goes back to what I said at the beginning. I think the base level we have to do is, if I say I disagree with you, it is incumbent upon me to be able to explain why and how. Yeah. And sometimes, and that's fine, right? People, just honestly, right, I'm a terrible Southerner when it comes to this. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pretty direct person. I, I, I say it as I see. It. I try to say it in kindness. Sure. I try to say it in respect. Right. But. It's, it's often impolite. But when we get into these discussions, it becomes an aspect of way that the way that that is lived out. So if you say you believe this, this is the, so the, the gut example. If, if me saying, well, the covenant school is terrible, you agree that it's terrible. You're angry that it's happening. I'm angry that it's happening, right? We do agree on that. This is a horrible thing that we want to change. My understanding of it is if we didn't, um, if people did not have access to such deadly firearms, which we, we do have a limitation on firearms, right? I can't have a fully automatic. I would love to shoot an RPG at a tree and blow it up. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm not allowed to because civilians shouldn't have that and we have. So we do right. agree on and that. And I think that reason is yes. exactly why civilians That's right. shouldn't have that. There are limits on lethality because of right. training, because of the way that it works in the world and different contexts and circumstances. Right. If the answer is, well, culture has gone downhill or mental health. The, the only way that I express this that has is worked at least on a pause. It is, by the way, never come to a... Well, I, I'm really deep down. If the problem is mental health, then let us right now talk about what you want to do to fund mental health. What laws have you thought about? Because if you hate this, and this is the thing, but it can't be guns, right. then what is it that you want to do? Let's let's do that. Yeah. But if you tell me it's not guns, it's mental health, and that's a problem, and then you don't want to pass legislation or champion mental health counseling and access then it's a then you are full of crap yeah you have created a scapegoat that is right that you want to that redirect right. yeah now again when you point out someone's inherent contradictions usually doesn't it go well. does not come to it but what i try to do mm -hmm. and I, I don't i don't do it well i do it better with strangers than i do with people that i know and sure. love and i'm close well, to there are yeah um, I don't it, do it well at all. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, this is, and that's why, I, that's yeah. why I'm asking because it, yeah. it is hard. And I think recognizing and understanding that it, it is hard. However, it's important to know where you stand and be able to, to uh, as you said, know why and explain why yes. and how. You, and it's you important to to speak up about that if you want to to try right. to make movement. That's that's okay. Yeah. Um, but what we can't do is dehumanize the other person. They're just correct. An a-hole. They're just then you're a, othering the other. It's the exact yeah. same. It's the exact same thing. I mean, this is this is the problem. And I'm listen, I'll I'll be honest that I say that and this it's somewhat of a you know a Christian-y thing. We can't do that and we love everyone. They go, I have significantly harder problems yeah. than good old with good old church folk than I do with most of the people that those good old church folk say, well it's hard to love these people. I mean, no, yeah, I know sex workers works with them. I, pretty easy relationships, um, far easier in terms of, and, and honestly, often closer moral stances um, with people outside of the church. Sure. Than than sometimes people inside of the church. I don't know. I don't know fully what to do that. But if I believe this, yeah, then I am responsible for maintaining that faithfulness and loving you even when. I think you are um, going against the understanding of that. Okay, real quick, uh, we're we're running up against yeah. the time. Um, 
one more practical question. Uh, and it's the same one that I just asked, but how do you approach uh, your pastor or clergy or church leader who is actively promoting this glorification of violence or actively um, apologize, you know, yeah. apologizing and, and making excuses for for that uh, because it, it's it's a different scenario, right? You're not yeah. approaching a, a stranger or a family member. It's someone who is, you have allowed uh, to have some type of authority over you as it relates to interpreting and preaching the, the scriptures in the Bible. And so if you see that, how, you know, what's, what's um, a good way to I mean, do that? I, or I is would, there a good I way? would hope, I don't know if there's a good way. Um, <laughs> I hope that you would approach it in the same way of I'm going to come talk to you. I want to come talk to you, right? Not talk at you. Right. And I want to have a meeting and I, I, I would like to discuss this with the standpoint being um, this does not seem to reconcile with the faith that I have or the other things that, that you have taught the way we believe in the Bible. I need you to help me understand how those are reconciled. And what you don't accept is it's in the Bible. I know more about it than you do. Yeah. Good. You know more about it than I do. Then I need you to explain to me how these things are reconciled because they don't seem to fit with an ethic of love in the way that this goes. Yeah. And I don't know that you may not get to anything, but that is the, it is the pastor's back pocket trump card, right? Um, I'm a pastor. Listen to me. It's and if someone says, well, it's in the Bible. And you say, well, where in the Bible? And they say, well, it's just in there. Trust me. Say no. Yeah. Um, if you, you, you haven't memorized the Bible, you may not know it, but I would like you to look it up and I would like you to tell me because I can look it up too. And I, I would need us to have a conversation about this. Yeah. Okay. That's the best I got. Yeah. I don't think that's, I, I think conversations help, not just me. I would yeah. say this. What we cannot do is. If we are upset with churches that say, we have the answers, we know this, we are righteous and good because we have this and we're special people and all this specialness, what we can't do is say, they're wrong. I understand the way this really is. I'm special and they're off. It is the same exact thing. We have to engage human beings. It doesn't mean I don't stand up to people. Sometimes it doesn't mean I don't stand against people, but I can't dehumanize them. They're still people made in the image of God like me. It has to matter all the time. Well, as always, we do hope that you found this conversation helpful and meaningful for you. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you have comments or feedback, uh, you can email us at babyjesuspodcast at gmail.com. I do want to point out that we do recognize that politics and that type of stuff can be divisive. And we certainly do appreciate feedback. But this is a theology podcast. Um, it's one that we're talking about faith and the perspective uh, through the lens of Jesus. And so if you have feedback specifically for those types of things, we'd love to hear from it. Um, but as it relates to politics, that's not really what we're, we're not looking to get into a debate about that. So uh, again, we do hope to hear from you. And we hope that you will join us again next time on the Bathwater and the Baby Jesus podcast. Thanks, everyone.